Atamari here. Welcome to First Up. It is Wednesday already. Wednesday, the 22nd of February. Konaitha Rararariaho. Coming up, Japan proposes dumping nuclear waste from the Fukushima disaster into the Pacific Ocean. And the island nations are not happy. Our Tonga correspondent joins us to tell us why. The floods haven't put a dampener on Auckland Pride. We hear from a drag king who will be strutting his stuff on stage this Friday. Should the government buy people's homes in flood-stricken areas? Green Party co-leader James Shaw is live with us. And we are in Wairoa with a cyclone Bowler survivor has been through it all again. And I said to him, it's coming too quickly, we've got to go. So I got my car out, my ute out, and we dived in here, we're up to our knees getting stuff off. Welcome to Rapa. It's first up here, Nathan Rarere with you, and we begin in Australia, uh, which is one of the other few countries around where it's also Wednesday, so it's quite good actually. And joining us from Brisbane is Pam Corkery. Morena, how are you? Bloody hell, is it Wednesday? Morena. Yeah. I know. <laughs> yes, I knew that. <laughs> I know, we're, we're here already, my goodness. So tell me this, um, bushfire season, we haven't heard a lot of bushfires out of Australia the last couple of years, but I understand we've got one raging. Where, where is this? This one's in north of Melbourne. It, there's an emergency warning for residents of Flowerdale and Yee, um, for anyone with loved ones over there. It's a grass fire. It's travelling north. They've been told to stay indoors as it was too late to leave. It just took off. This was last night. And also those unable to get indoors have been told to go to a large open area like a football field or jump into a dam or a lake. Bloody wow. hell. Yeah, um, so it's the wetter than usual spring. Grass fires follow floods. And also, just briefly, Western Australia, the great southern region there, started in a town called Ravensbourne. Um, it's just sort of about 500k south of east of Perth. They've got a blaze that's out of control and unpredictable. Oh, my goodness. Okay, yeah. we'll, we'll keep an eye on that one. Now, this is interesting. So, Australian spy boss has come out and said that there were attempts to recruit journalists by foreign agents. This is interesting. The, the unnamed agents also tended to off an activist. What is this? I don't know what that means. What Just does that them. mean? Oh, you, oh, what, oh, off them? You mean kill them? I thought you had said half a word. You couldn't understand any further. <laughs> <laughs> to off them. So, yeah. so the... ASIO, Australian Security Intelligence Organisation, the boss every year delivers a report and he said last year's was busier than at any time in history, including during the Cold War, the post-9-11 period and the height of the self-proclaimed Islamic State's caliphate. Apparently, as you say, these foreign agents have been trying to recruit senior journalists, so they got an Australian-born lackey to approach senior journalists with the offer of fully-paid study tours overseas and please show us your laptops and leave them with us for a while. Apparently, members of the judiciary were also targeted in the last year. Uh, ASIO says they've uncovered a major spy network operating in Australia, including some agents who've been planted years before. He's upgraded. It used to be a web of spies, but now he's upgraded. This is this Mike Burgess. The um, nature of the spies to a hive of spies. I mean, mm. I know this is serious, but it still reminds me of sort of get smart sometimes. <laughs> as long as there's the shoe phone, eh? What happened to the yeah. shoe phones? Come on, Nike. Get out exactly. 
Yeah. Well, that's just, there's a whole lot more spying stories, so that we'll keep eyes on those too. Um, and quite often, the, so the vending machine is, is possibly the most popular machine that we have here at RNZ. But in Australia, if you go to buy chisels, you can also get a snake inside by the sound of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Bonus, bonus, bonus. So this happened in Adelaide's largest shopping centre. Um, the snake was seen by a customer. Um, it had come in a car of someone who didn't realise he had the you know, really venomous black, red bellied or something um, snake. Um, didn't know that in his car he had driven a snake there to the to the shop. So and they double checked that on on security camera. So the the shopping centre was cordoned off, and the snake was found to have snuck into a roof cavity between floors. The snake catcher he said, um, "I'm not I'm not going up there. I'm not putting my head up." that cavity it will wait for two days because it'll take that time for the snake to go I eventually need the sunlight and he caught him oh. <laughs> I know it's great in the in the as you say in the a strange locality just briefly too fish have fallen from the sky in an outback community in the northern territory larger Manu residents say it's the first time they've experienced it but weather experts believe incidents like this are caused by strong updrafts such as tornadoes. They suck the water and fish from the rivers, dump them, you know, a few hundred kilometres away. So all these kitties have been going around going, yay, there's fish coming. They look so happy. And a water sp- so, the, so basically a water spout strong enough to pick them up and just biff them into what? Just into the township? Yes, it would, yes, that's it. Or it just scoops them up. I don't know. Yes, I suppose it must be a water spout. I hadn't even thought of that technical term. And apparently it only gets dangerous if they go too high up and they're frozen and they come down and hit them. <laughs> <laughs> I only want them coming down frozen if they've got breadcrumbs on the outside yeah, exactly. of them. Exactly. And what the I want. bread. Yeah, them a, yeah. Very quickly, tell me, tell, tell me this. Harry Styles, the singer, the actor, well, kind of actor, arrived in the country, series of gigs, that, I mean, there'll be lines, lines around the corner, wouldn't there? Yeah, he did it last night, 30,000 ecstatic young Harry Styles fans. I just wanted to say on the radio that we all love Harry. That's all I really wanted to say. I snuck this in, and I think he's amazing, and we all do because of his sort of cross-dressing and stuff like that. A lot of style, a lot of humour. Go, Harry. And I wanted to say it like a teen fan on the radio to you. Well, there we go, in journalistic fashion. Thank Thank you very much. (laughs) Pam Corkery, who uh, gets up super early to bring us the news out of Brisbane every week. It is 11 and a half minutes past five. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National. Russian President Vladimir Putin has used his State of the Nation speech to justify his war in Ukraine, blaming the West for the conflict. He has also suspended his country's participation in an important nuclear treaty with the USA. The BBC's Richard Galpin has this report. For almost a year now, Russia and Ukraine have been at war. What was supposed to have been a quick strike by Russian forces to defeat the Ukrainian military failed. Instead, it's become a prolonged war, something Vladimir Putin had not expected. President of Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin. In his State of the Nation speech today, the president once again portrayed his country as the victim, claiming it was the West and not Russia that had started the war in Ukraine. Russia said the president was just trying to stop the conflict. 
Все делали вид, что ничего не происходит. I want to repeat. Я хочу это повторить. Это они разрешили. Год назад ради защиты A year ago, in order to defend our historical lands, to liquidate the threat that came from the neo-Nazi regime, we decided to conduct a special military operation. And step by step, we carefully, consistently will settle the task we are facing. The president also made the claim that the war was supported by a majority of the Russian population. The people of our country supported our actions in defending the Donbass, and they showed real patriotism in that. In another key statement, Vladimir Putin said Russia would be suspending its participation in a key nuclear weapons agreement with the United States. The agreement places limits on nuclear warheads and allows inspections of nuclear facilities. President Putin threatened to restart nuclear testing if America did the same. We are not going to do it first, but if the United States conducts such a test, we'll conduct one uh, our own too. We shouldn't be delusional about uh, the impossibility to destroy the strategic parity. Meanwhile, the US President Joe Biden, who was in Kyiv yesterday, is now in Poland, where he'll be delivering a key speech in which he's highly likely to contradict most, if not all, of what President Putin has said. That was Richard Galpin reporting. We'll round up, we'll call it a quarter past five. You're listening to First Up here on RNZ National. Time to hear from our correspondent in Tonga. It is Kalafi Moala who's with me. Kia ora, sir, how are you? Good, thank you. Good so, morning. So tell us, the Pacific Island Forum Secretary General paid a visit to Tonga. Give us the details there. Yes, it was his first official visit to Nukalofa last week. Uh, the Secretary, Secretary General Henry Puna said that he is here with his team to in, engage the government of Tonga and uh, the local community to inform them of the important work of the secretariat. And uh, the big thing they were pushing is uh, what they call the Pacific 2050 strategy. And it is a strategy for Pacific leaders uh, to work together uh, for issues that are common to the Pacific uh, in order to be able to move into the future. Some of these uh, issues uh, include climate actions, ocean security, and combating key threats to the ocean continent of the Pacific. And of course, one of the key things that has happened in the week was the rejoining of Kiripati. Uh, Kiripati uh, left the forum uh, a couple of years ago, and then uh, they're back now into the forum. And so this speaks of... Uh, uh, unity in the in the Pacific, greater unity. Uh, the great concern, of course, to PIF is the proposal for Japan to dump nuclear wastewater out of the Fukushima power disaster. 
into the Pacific Ocean. And so Japan has given uh, guarantees of purification processes that will uh, uh, mean that the wastewater won't uh, uh, be harmful or at least uh, uh, bring any harm, uh, any harm to the ocean environment. Uh, Puna, of course, was a strong critic of the proposal, but it seems that the Micronesian states, all of them, have made major changes to their initial opposition, and they are now standing together uh, in support of the Japan proposal. Why do you think they all of a sudden support it, um, Kalafi? Is there, is there thought that perhaps Japan has paid them off or offered them something? Well, that's possible because they've been engaged in, in, in several uh, dialogues uh, mm. between Japan and some of the nations. And, and of course, one of the key things is that the Japanese have produced uh, scientific, uh, apparently scientific proof of processes they're doing that the wastewater is not going to be as harmful as initially uh, predicted. Okay. Okay. Tell me about um, the road conditions too, because conditions of the roads becoming a real problem there in the Pacific. I think with the weather situations that have happened uh, throughout the Pacific, New Zealand, of course, was a, a, a major disaster. But there's been a lot of rain that has happened in the in the Pacific, and of course, this has uh, added to the um, poor conditions of the roads. Tongan roads are worse now than ever. Uh, despite the promise by the government uh, that they will spend millions, uh, especially in recent years, in fixing the roads. Uh, I was in in Honiara, for example, late last year, and the roads uh, there and the basic infrastructure in the Solomons are uh, worse than in Tonga. Uh, And, of course, it's critical for the Solomons because the Pacific Games is going to be held there later this year. And they've got to do something about those roads. The, the traffic is basically jammed, not because of too many vehicles, but because people are trying to avoid the potholes. Yeah. And, of course, the Pacific's uh, biggest city, Port Mosby, uh, received calls from uh, quite a, a number of residents complaining about the potholes. Uh, it's funny. Uh, one uh, complainant says, in trying to avoid the potholes, vehicles getting uh, into accidents regularly because you avoid the potholes but drive into oncoming traffic. And so uh, it's, it's a, a very uh, poor uh, situation with the roads in the Pacific in general. Yeah. Hey, uh, Kalafi, thank you very much for your time. There he is, uh, live from Tonga, Kalafi Moala. It is coming up to 20 past five. I'm Nathan Rarere. You're listening to First Up on RNZ National. On the programme, you will hear in the coming minutes, uh, hear from a drag king, head of his performance for Auckland Pride, and also a wider or beef farmer uh, who survived Cyclone Bowler and tells us why Cyclone Gabrielle caused so much more damage. Wall-to-wall charity auctions this week on Trade Me, from coffee roasted by the Princess Royal to rugby jerseys raising funds for cyclone victims. But first, producer Jeremy Parkinson talks with Trade Me's Ruby Topsand, who has an update on their kindness store. Yeah, update on Trade Me's kindness store, which we opened up last month when the flooding affected Northlanders and, and Aucklanders, and then of course kept going in the wake of Cyclone Gabriel. And we have just been so blown away by the generosity of our Aotearoa. So far, we've raised 
over $150,000 and uh, Trade Me has also popped in a $15,000 donation there too. But uh, yeah, if, if you have got involved, thank you so much. If you haven't yet but can, then, then we absolutely um, encourage you to, to jump on site and and get involved. You'll find all of the stings for the Kindness Store in our Cool Auctions banner. And Trade Me takes no cut there. That all just gets donated straight to uh, the New Zealand Red Cross and the wonderful cleanup effort that they are involved in right now. And there wouldn't be an easier way of helping out. You can buy 10 20 50 and $100 vouchers. That's right, something for every budget in there. We've got a couple of rugby jerseys on site this week, also raising money for cyclone victims. That's right. So these ones are really exciting for those Chiefs fans. Of course, who could want any other jersey on their wall other than the formidable Tanya Kaluni Vale? Her jersey's already got a top bit of $1,000 and it doesn't close until Saturday. So that one's signed by her and the rest of the squad. And then there's also Damien McKenzie's jersey up there as well. And that's got a top bid of $1,510. And again, closes on Saturday. So we'll be we'll be excited to see how much these go for and watching them closely along with the rest of the Chiefs fan base around the country. And another charity auction. See, Princess Anne was here last week. She roasted some coffee at Havana Coffee. And this is a bag, 500 gram bag, that she personally roasted. I know, and there's there's photos as evidence, so you you certainly know it's the real deal here. And um, they've called it the Princess Royal Roast. It is again, yeah, raising money for the cyclone victims around the country, and it actually includes a tour of the Havana Roastery, either in Auckland or Wellington as well. So the lucky winner will have not only a um, a bag of these really special royal beans, but they can also kind of go and have a look at the, the roastery themselves and see what went into um, making them. The next auction is our vehicle auction this week, which is a little less Princess Anne than it is, mm-hmm. um, what's his name, um, Mr Bean probably. It's so good. It's This one's raising money for Kids Can, and it's called a double-ended mini. And I love in the description, it says, some days when you don't know if you're coming or going, then this is the car for you. And it it's a bit of a strange-looking car. It, it's a mini, but the back and the front are very difficult to tell apart. A little bit of a strange one to see driving past. And, and so it's like, two front, also, it's like two front ends, right? Yeah, I, I, I had trouble right working end. it out. I was, I was wondering whether the the photos were just of the same end, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's two fronts joined together. And I I wouldn't I couldn't imagine this being road legal, but there it is. It, you can drive it around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's got all the necessary documents to make it road legal, and it's currently got a top top bit of seven thousand five hundred dollars. But I think I mean, especially given the good cause here. We will um, see this one go for a little bit more. It's got 16 days to go. It doesn't close until the 9th of March. So, But, yeah, bright yellow. It does say Plumber Dan on the side. Up to the new owner whether they want to get that uh, taken off um, or, or continue to represent that company. But, yeah, just a bit of fun and raising money for a great cause. And, yeah, and certainly a, certainly a one-off. You're not going to see another yeah. one of these around. I ho- you, you'd hope not. You'd, ho- you'd hope there's only one. Ruby Tops and there from Trade Me. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. It's the 22nd of February, it's the day of our life, and of course we remember in 2011 when the magnitude 6.3 earthquake uh, hit Christchurch and, and Littleton there, 
killing 185 people. Yeah, remember that one? Happened just before 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I think all of New Zealand knows where they were at that time when that happened. Uh, so we remember that from 2011. Today, it's uh, 46 days before Easter. Now, why is that important? It's because uh, Ash Wednesday is today. That is the beginning of Lent there in Christianity. Uh, On this day in 1732, George Washington was born in Virginia, went on to a pretty good career in politics and being on American banknotes. Drew Barrymore is 48 years old today, and here's one for you. Neil from The Young Ones, Nigel Planer, he's 70 years old today. Uh, This bit of Bobby Darren, I love Bobby Darren, he's my favourite is to celebrate Dolly. Dolly was announced to the world in 1997. You Dolly? The Roslyn Institute announced Dolly, the cloned sheep. Remember that? So Dolly was the cloned sheep. It was quite a big, you know, kerfuffle at the time. I think they ended up having something like 3,000 media requests the next uh, week. Had a bit of a look at Dolly's life. Dolly's life went okay. She had a total of six lambs with a Welsh mountain ram called David. So um, Dolly and David were... A wonderful partnership there. He might have been a Dewey, but I think it was a David. Uh, Dolly continued to have a very normal life um, until February 2003 when she passed. Now, after the death, the Rosalind Institute donated Dolly's body to the National Museum of Scotland, which is in Edinburgh, and she became one of the museum's most popular exhibits. Here we go, there's Dolly over there. Uh, Other clones in your life that you see most of the time, seedless grapes. Sweet Naval Oranges, their clones, and also Cavendish Bananas. But uh, yes, today we remember Dolly and when the world got to say, hello, Dolly. With us now from the business team is Ananzaki. Kia ora, how are you? Morena, very well, how are you? I'm good. Tell me about this job cuts, which are always horrible to hear about. Uh, job cuts at Sky TV. Yes, uh, no doubt difficult news uh, for those at Sky TV. It's planning a round of redundancies, uh, wants to outsource them to save money. Uh, the company uh, wants to have two-thirds of its call centre jobs in the Philippines, uh, and it'll keep about 100 call centre staff in New Zealand uh, to focus on more complex issues. Uh, so cutting about 80 jobs in the call centre. And uh, so the jobs would be outsourced to, the, uh, to a Philippines-based company creating about uh, 200 roles in the Philippines. Uh, and on top of that, uh, Sky wants to cut about 90 jobs in its technology and content operations uh, team to an Indian-based company. So uh, about 170 jobs all up affected if the job cuts go ahead as planned. Uh, They are consulting with staff um, and they have um, started that process. Uh, So Sky says the outsourcing would boost its uh, customer service capacity uh, by 40% across the two teams and meet uh, growing demand. Uh, But these things are always difficult, aren't they? Um, And often... Uh, yes, there might be a capacity growth, but uh, 
we might not always uh, have the best uh, quality in customer service, which I think a lot of people will be hoping that they can retain. It's what you want, right? You want the really good customer experience. It's what brings you back to things. And I guess they're hoping, well, I bet you can't do without watching you know, this thing that keeps you there. But, you know, I, th- I think a lot of users that have used the Sky Go app and the Sky Now app really complain about it. I mean, I've been watching um, things on it and then it just stops and resets back to the start. You know, so maybe they could sort that out. Would be would be really good. I, I think with this, but that's that'll be a start. Yeah, that'll be a start. That'd be really good. Hey, uh, speaking of starting and restarting, a lot of people are going to have to rebuild um, after Cyclone Gabrielle. I mean, gosh, we're still getting the silt out of the way in many places, but um, it's going to put a lot of pressure on construction, isn't it? Yeah, big time. I mean, the construction sector is already under a lot of pressure, and now it's going to be called up for the huge recovery effort that's needed. Uh, And the recovery from uh, the cyclone is uh, expected to boost economic activity, so uh, some economic growth. Uh, And we have some uh, numbers from Infometrics showing economic activity was already looking pretty solid uh, just before the cyclone. Uh, That's thanks to the recovery in the tourism sector across much of the South Island. Uh, So this is all happening uh, as the Reserve Bank tries to moderate economic activity because they want to cool inflation. Uh, They've actually said they want to engineer a recession Uh, and the Reserve Bank will uh, announce their latest uh, cash rate decision this afternoon. Now, Infometrics say they were expecting uh, economic demand to pull back in 2023, but Cyclone Gabrielle means that's no longer the case. It's changed expectations. They now expect uh, lower economic activity in the short term as people just clean up. But in the long term, the sheer amount of rebuilding and recovery would create capacity constraints in the workforce. You know, who's going to do all the recovery work? Will there be enough materials? And... And then what effect would that have on inflation? I was uh, pleased you said materials. Can we order the jib now? Uh, let's let's yeah, get, have a get re- the order ahead now. So <laughs> I have a repeat of where we were. If we can get the jib sorted now, that'd be good. And thank you very much for your time. You can hear more from the business team on Morning Report this morning at 10 to 7. Your midweek money market looks like this for the New Zealand's dollar. You can buy 62.17 US cents, 90.56 Australian cents, 58.33 euro cents, 51.47 British pence, 4.28 yuan, and 83.97 Japanese yen. Well, Auckland Pride is strutting its stuff over February and here to talk about their part in this display of all things rainbow is Hugo Girl or George Fowler, which was mum. Uh, he describes himself as a drag king. I mean, well, what's this, what's a, dra- a drag king? The difference is what gender you are elaborately emulating for entertainment purposes. So a drag queen will dress up as a very hyper-feminine big silly thing and I dress up as a big hyper masculine big silly thing and of course these lines blur enormously and does it even matter etc etc but just imagine a very glittery little man with a moustache and that's me. Perfect I love it and, and you've got an array of shows uh, to go through you've got Trans Pride Drag Show there's the Elder Queens Give Advice there's Rainbow Reading there with with Hugo Girl so um, tell us about the shows. Trans Pride Drag Show is is my baby. I'm really excited about it. We have, of course, not all transgender people do drag. Of course not. And definitely not all drag performers are trans. But this is the beautiful centre of that Venn diagram. And it's going to be an incredible night of queer artistry. The lineup is just just ludicrous. So I'm really excited about that. It's on the, the 24th of February 
Yeah, it's at Phoenix on K Road. It's going to be a party. Elder Queers Give Advice is on at Altier Square on the, throughout the whole day of the 25th. And again, yeah, this is something I really care a lot about. We are often divorced from our queer elders, you know, um, and that's for so, so many reasons. But when I was a youngin, I didn't have any visibility for what a queer future could look like, what a trans future could look like. And so this is really just a way for for intergenerational bonding and for youngins to perhaps meet an older gay person for the first time. So that's literally all it is. It's, it's a place where, where young people can rock in and, and ask some questions of some some elders. It's, it's really wholesome. And it's interesting that you talk about that too, because in all walks of life, isn't it, that, that intergenerational thing, you know, they got, oh, back in my day, we had it harder or, you know, or it was different for us and that as well. So it is good to get that bonding, isn't it? Hugely, hugely important, I think, in, in every community you want to talk to people who've who've been through it before you and especially in the queer community I think it's so important when you have a look at performance but performance like like you said not everybody does it and it's a hard thing to capture when did uh, you first realize I've also got the show off gene (laughs) I think I was four and my parents lost me and that was because we were watching a show and I had run round to the back of the crowd on stage and gotten on stage. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and that's that happened multiple times, by the way, of watching theatre and, and where's little George? And then I would be, I would have snuck onto stage. But I got into drag from like a gender identity crisis. Like I just started cross-dressing out of nowhere and it was so, uh, the sense of comfort and excitement and and joy it created was I obsessed over it. It was so it was so much fun. And so yeah, that's where my show off gene came from recently. <laughs> and yeah, Trans Pride Drag Show is going to be pretty incredible because we have so many people who have similar stories when it comes to drag and totally different ones. Like drag totally saved my life and helped me figure out who I am. And Trans Pride Drag Show is going to be a really incredible exploration of gender and the art of dressing up. Yeah, I mean, you know, you hear that a lot about that saving of a life and helping with an identity and helping you feel you've found your place in the world. You you recently moved to Auckland City. Have you found more of a, a community there, you know, in drag life? I totally have. So I am such a lover of Wellington. I never, ever thought I would leave. And then the opportunities of Auckland just called I've totally found my little my little niche and a good group of friends, and I've wound up settling in Mount Albert, which is a great neighbourhood. And yeah, yeah, it's working out. It's really it's really working out. Auckland's a pretty great place. That's Drag King Hugo Girl, aka George Fowler. Get along to one of the shows and go and have some fun. As we uh, check in at the station here, it is uh, 21 to 6. I'm Nathan Rarity here at First Up on RNZ National. So still to come on the programme, we will ask the Greens co-leader when the climate adaption bill will be tabled and if it's one of the top priorities. And also we hear from a wider or farmer who uh, shows us through his 150-year-old flood-damaged home and tells us why Cyclone Gabrielle was so much more damaging than Bowler. Take- <laughs> 
The professionals of Morning Report are here after six for a quick preview of, uh, there is much news to get to, it's Guy on Espiner, how are you? I'm good thanks, and I do note that we're quick, so I will try to be efficient and, and quick this morning. Oh, right. uh, we, we, we still are on uh, Cyclone Recovery Watch, obviously yeah. Gisborne businesses battling water shortages to keep their doors open. Um, many forced to cart in thousands of litre from home tanks uh, of water, so we'll um, check in with them. Also a little bit worrying that rain's back on its way for some of these cyclones that uh, ravaged regions, so uh, the central North Island's going to be hit in the next couple of days. We'll check in with MetSurface about what's going on. Yeah, like, yeah. What happens to all that? So I was even thinking as I've been watching it and having a look at the news, I think there's so much to get out. You've got winter coming and, you know, ours, ours, you know, heading into autumn, that's not that flash either. So. Absolutely. We'll also do our interview with uh, Chris mm. Luxon this morning, our Wednesday uh, interview with Christopher Luxon. A lot to talk about with him, including um, climate change, adaptation, um, the crime statements that National's been making. Have they really been stacking up in terms of, you know, um, th- these crime figures in some of these uh, cyclone-hit regions doesn't seem to be meshing with the facts we've heard from the Police Commissioner, so I'll tackle him on that. Mm. And also Maureen Pugh, their MP, who's um, had a bit of a sort of a struck by lightning moment um, again. Well, they've obviously got incredible educational uh, capability to be able to educate her and turn around in, what, 40 minutes? It was pretty quick, wasn't it? It was very fast, yeah. Yeah, yeah it looked a bit like a hostage video when I saw it. <laughs> These are oh, my words. Blinking. These, these are my statements. So, yeah, but 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 to get get through with him. So, um, I'll, I'll be talking guys. with uh, Christopher Luxon after seven thirty this morning. So, yeah, lots on the show. Listen Beautiful. Up. Thank you very much. Go on. Well, Wairaroa's rural community faces a huge clean-up after Cyclone Gabrielle sent water and silt raging through their properties and across their paddocks. The army was out yesterday helping some of the worst-hit farmers, but it's locals with shovels and buckets who are doing the bulk of the heavy work uh, right up and down all the flood-hit areas. The floodwaters in Wairaroa rushed through the historic farm Turiroa, which is on State Highway 2 just south there of Wairaroa, and it left a thick layer of silt through the buildings and across those fields. Rowley Powdrill whose family has been farming there for generations showed our producer Matthew Tunison around the property. It's a beautiful spot. Well it is. Yeah. Um, it's just unbelievable but come with me, you're welcome. Thank you sir. Rowley Powdrill is an icon around here. His family are Angus cattle farmers and have owned this stately two-storey home five kilometres west of Wairua for six generations. I've just been lucky I had got marvellous neighbours. Yes. They've all been here, about 20 different people, and then today another crew came in, they're still here now, digging off parts of the drive. Yeah. Silt, it's the worst silt I've seen. Mm. And it just, well, it's so all, hard to get rid of. Yeah, this was all park. Like, yeah. It was nice. Not anymore. Did it get through the house? Yeah, we're doing pulling the walls off now. I'm lucky my neighbour's a top carpenter, and... He'd come straight down to do it. How long have you lived here for? Um, since 1974. I'm a fourth generation, my children are the fifth, and we've got a sixth generation on the ground. Rowley tells me the Powdrill family owns more than 1,200 acres of land around here. He says the night of the cyclone itself was nothing out of the ordinary. It was what came next on Tuesday morning. I said to my neighbour who came down, they were going to work. He said, I've never seen anything like this. I said, you watch, things are changing. Look at the tide. This is an incoming tide. And then there was a sudden surge which belted all the water through into here. I thought we'd got away with it. 
but there's obviously been water let go somewhere. Where were you when that came through? Standing out on the road and I started measuring it and I said to him, it's coming too quickly, we've got to go. So I got my car out, my ute out, and we dived in here, we're up to our knees getting stuff off. Yeah. And we've got quite a lot off, you'll see. That's scary. Yeah, and the river was roaring. I'd, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit used to it because I had Cyclone Bowler. Yeah. Cyclone Bowler was six inches higher on the walls than this. Right. And, and the Cyclone Bowler was lapping the wall shed at the back. This right. one wasn't. But right. it, this one, the silt's worse. It's filthy. Yeah. Rowley was 50 years old when Cyclone Bowler struck. He's nearly 80 now. And as we walk through the ground floor of his flood-damaged home, he worries about the huge amount of physical work that will be involved in the clean-up. It's all wet right through, right through the heights about, well here's the height here. Yeah. It's all silt in there. So you've got to take all this jib off to that level? Yeah, the whole house. Whole house. Yeah. Is the floor going to be okay? No, that's got to go. That won't last. See it curling? Curling up. Curling up. Um, and this is a beautiful old house, Rolly. Yeah, it, it is, and it was built in 1874, and it's a, I'm very um, passionate about. Yes. Um, see, see that, that's old, that goes with the house, it's been here all its life. This is a, a, a wardrobe chest of drawers, no, you call it? Yeah, it's a chiffonier, whole grog and stuff beautiful. like that. Beautiful. You know, and it's, it's feather painted. Yeah. Is it going to be okay? Yeah, it'll be okay. Thank God. Um, the, the girls have cleaned it. Yes. We'll shift it on now. And you'll see as we go through. This here is Park A4. Yeah. So that's a nightmare in its own. The sounds of pieces of heart remu. See them? So this is almost a wood mosaic floor. Yeah. yeah. Very ornate. Yes. As, and this is original, is it? No, it's not original because when we did the house up, we try to keep things as original as possible yes. in case we got a historic place of trust involved. Right. And um, and they don't like too many alterations. Yes. So we try to keep it. But what we did, the house is on a, a concrete and brick foundation. Yeah. So we um, poured sand and poured a concrete floor right through, and that's our saving. Okay. Because you haven't got muck underneath the house. Oh, good. And, and it's all centrally heated. Yes. So when it comes on, I'll turn the heating on, which should help. Yeah. Um, so this is going to be okay? No, it's going to take it all up. Really? Yep. Oh, man. That's laid on bitumen, on a bit, bitumen so, it, so it sits. And my wife has Persian rugs on it. Jeez. And we saved all those. These here, the front stopped here. Yes. So these here are all hand carved. They're all diff each one of those is different. Wow, this is yeah. the banister. Yeah, yeah. Tragic. Um, here, um, this is some of our furniture in here. This is a sitting room. Yes. Um, we've got stuff up like that on tables and stuff. Yes. Some of the couches are gone, they're up at our workshop. In terms of um, valuable or, or significant items to you, what did you lose from the flood? Oh, well, it's a bit hard to say, really, because yeah. 
because we really like everything that we've got. Of course you, know, you do. We've saved all our lives to put it into our home, you know. Rowley says it was much easier to clean up after Cyclone Bola. Gabrielle was different. This was all silt. Solid silt and all these neighbours came and got stuck in. Look what they've done. Marvellous. That's incredible. Um, and the, the back lawn was thick as silt. We did all that by hand. Yeah. Rowley is fully insured. His sons have a mandarin and lemon orchard here. Thankfully their fruit tree survived. But others nearby weren't so lucky, and one son is off helping a neighbour dig out silt from 900 trees. The community's coming together. Yeah. Um, it's a strong community. That brilliant. A lot of young people here now, and um, we don't want ratbags thieving anything and all that nonsense which is ha happening. Has it happened? Uh... Not hasn't happened out here, but it's happening in town. Yeah. And we don't need that at a time like this. No. And uh, everyone pulls in, and I would say we'll probably have to have a function for two or three hundred people who have helped. That's how many people come it's here. It's been impressive. But but how are you feeling, Rolly? Well, you've just got to face the music, don't you? And yeah. get on with it. The harder you get stuck into it, the quicker you get going again. So you just got to get going. Doesn't it just feel overwhelming sometimes? Oh, well it does, but you just, you know, you got to get hardened to it. Good you for just, you, sir. You just got to get cracking and go. Rowley plans to start again and re-sow the grass, but it's going to take a long time. Beautiful home. Well, it was. <laughs> it will be again, Rowley. Matthew Tunison with that report. Of course, yeah, the scale of this disaster is is absolutely huge. There are many of the measures needed to prevent such catastrophes in the future are outlined in a national adaptation plan uh, introduced last year by the Climate Change Minister and Green Party co-leader James Shaw, which is handy because he's here now. Kia ora, James. How are you? Kia ora. Good, very, very, very quickly, uh, last night it was, it was interesting. I saw Maureen Pugh said she didn't believe in human... Uh, that human action caused climate change and then I saw she came back and read a prepared statement that no no I do so am I to believe her I mean do you believe she's actually on board with the climate change you know, science now well, to be honest with you Nathan I don't have a lot of time uh, for um, people who are still stuck in a you know climate denial um, and and that, and that essentially adopt an anti-scientific position so it's clear that uh, her leadership had had a conversation with her and she reversed her position. Um, but frankly, I think uh, we just need to move on and, and deal with the problem at hand, which is that there are still thousands of people who have lost everything. Uh, and our top priority right now has to be to make sure that they've got everything that they need. So, you know, part of this, I mean, we, we just heard there from, from Rowley, he's had a lot of volunteers around, and there's so many volunteers that are in here helping, but heavy machinery needs to come in, and it's great to have any help that we can. So cleaning up that silt alone, they reckon it might be around 200 million bucks worth. Should the government not introduce a, a flood tax to a lot of these companies, in particular over the last year or so, that have posted record profits? Well, the Green Party has said uh, a number of times that in this inflationary environment, there are a number of companies that are making massive unearned windfall gains simply because uh, of constrained supply. Uh, and that has, they haven't done anything additional to earn those uh, profits. And actually, we do all need to chip in right now. So, you know, we have floated the idea of a, of a windfall um, profit tax or an excess profits tax 
uh, to help to support the clean-up, yes. Nice. Hey, um, now, New Zealand needs the, the, this national uh, adapt, adaptation plan, uh, the climate adaptation bill. I mean, we need it now more than ever. So can you just talk us through, when will the bill be tabled? We're intending to introduce the bill before the election, but I think what is really important for people to hear uh, is that there are things that we can do right now um, before the bill is introduced that will help those people who have lost everything in the recent floods and in Cyclone Gabriel to build their homes and their communities back safer and stronger than they were before. Wasn't the original plan to to have the bill passed in Parliament by the by the end of the year? Will, will it? Do you think it'll make it through in time? I, no, it it is unlikely to pass before the end of the year. Right. Um, we are going to be looking and seeing what we can do to accelerate it, and it is good that the National Party have offered to support that in a bipartisan manner, recognising that they haven't seen the details yet. Uh, but like I said, it is. It is really important to know that there are things that we can do in the interim that can help us with our recovery around Cyclone Gabriel. Okay. Uh, people have asked too, should the government be buying people's homes that are in flood-stricken areas? This is one of the things that we need to work through and we need to make some very, very fast decisions. In Australia, uh, there was a buyback or buyout situation uh, after their floods over there, which enabled people to take their insurance uh, money for the for the home, uh, but to relocate to safer ground, and I do think that we need to look at something like that here. Right, um, the the relief package that was announced it's it's quite a hefty amount, and I know that there was an initial yay, this is good, we need money, and then people worry about where it's being targeted. So first off, when you have a look at the government's relief package, do you think that will be enough to support the area because that area is massive? Clearly not enough, and uh, the Prime Minister and the Minister of Finance have both said that those announcements were only the start of what will become a rolling mall of support packages that get rolled out. It is really clear uh, that, you know, particularly low-income um, people who are also often underinsured uh, will feel the impacts of this far more, and we do need to make sure that we have targeted support. Just finally, should the government announce an amnesty for overstayers in these cyclone-struck areas? And the reason I ask this is, boy, it'd be great to be able to use as as many hands on deck as we can uh, right now. And there are some workers that came here and they've overstayed. Do you think announcing an amnesty is a good thing? Well, yes, I do. I mean, climate change obviously is displacing more and more people, both here and in the Pacific Islands. I think having an immigration system that treats people with dignity uh, and um, takes account of those circumstances uh, would be uh, no bad thing at all. Yeah, James, thank you so much for your time, sir. There is James Shaw, uh, Green Party uh, co-leader. Yes, look, I understand that you can get that whole jumping the queue uh, ideal. However, if we're also looking at the same time of going, we need to bring workers in, these ones are already here. Uh, so uh, perhaps that might be the way to go and just get them into the tax system. We've got uh, a lot of uh, feedback this morning. Carl says, rumour has it that Maureen Pugh completed a night class overnight and she now believes that we're in the middle of an ice age. Thank you, Carl. Joe the Roaster, Joe the Roaster, celebrity listener, Joe the Roaster, we like to call him, he's royal adjacent. He says, Her Royal Highness is an excellent student and the quality of the roast is right up there. It was a pleasure to teach her about the science of coffee of uh, in roasting and she did so there in hosting, them in well- hosting her in Wellington. The royal couple were adamant to support the uh, release, it might, might be relief effort there, I think the... Uh, 
Auto Correct got you there, Joe the Roaster, who taught the Princess Royal how to roast some coffee. It's very good. And some um, nice feedback from Wally this morning, too. Thank you very much. Yeah, the team works really hard uh, to get the show out for you. Morning Report is next with Guyana and Corin from all of us here at First Up. Have yourselves a wonderful day. I've got some Bobby Darren to take you out because he's the greatest. Find her, big and me, a fellas.